Business of Discovery, a clinical research podcast from the NIHR Clinical Research Network. My name is Alan Goh, and it's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm joined today by Alan Hackshaw, who is Professor of Epidemiology and Medical Statistics at University College London. He's also the Deputy Director of the Cancer Research UK and UCL Cancer Trial Centre, one of the largest cancer trial units in the UK. Professor Hackshaw has over 25 years experience in the design, conduct and interpretation of clinical trials, observational studies and systematic reviews in a variety of disease areas. These include cancer treatments, prognostic factors in cancer, antenatal and cancer screening and tobacco and health. And this has included phase two and phase three trials and major cohort and case control studies. He's also the author of the textbook, A Concise Guide to Clinical Trials. Professor Hackshaw, thank you very much for speaking with us today. Thank you. Now, the National Cancer Institute reminds us that well-designed, well-run clinical trials are the only way to determine the true effectiveness of a promising new agent or intervention being investigated. So, in that context, I'd like to focus on one aspect of your work and discuss with you so-called multi-arm, multi-stage trials. So, could I begin by asking you to explain what is meant by those terms, multi-arm and multi-stage, in the context of trial design? Yes. Um, with multi-arm, um, there are usually several new treatments to be evaluated, each to be compared against a control therapy or standard therapy that's been used, hence the word multi-arm. Um, and multi-stage is that during the course of the whole study, there are analyses over at several time points, and at each time point, there's a possibility to drop useless treatment arms. Um, so with the view that by the end of the study, it may be only some of the original new investigative arms are taken forwards. And this is a very, very efficient way of looking at a set of new treatments or new regimens at the same time because they share a single control group. You mentioned efficiency there. Is that, is that the main advantage to designing a trial in that way, or is there any other aspect of it? There are there several advantages. There's, there's the, the, the efficiency in terms of having one control group that can be used to be compared with each of the other new treatment arms, as opposed to separate trials, each with their own standard or control group. And so that's a huge saving in efficiency. Um, generally, they're quite they're cheaper, and they should be shorter than running separate phase two and then phase three trials afterwards, where the phase three trials start recruiting new patients that don't overlap with the previous ones. Um, and in terms of cost savings, it should be cheaper to run one single trial with these efficiencies within it, um, rather than having all separate studies and the um, administrative burden of setting up several studies instead of one. Just to help contextualise this, could you perhaps give us a specific example of, of such a trial design? Yes, there are, there are several actually on, on, that have been ongoing or in design at the moment. Um, the one that's been run actually, the MRC Clinical Trials Unit at UCL, is called Stampede in Prostate Cancer, and that has um, eight new treatment arms, um, each to be compared with standard um, anti-hormone therapy. Um, and, over and there were six pharmaceutical companies involved in that, and that's been a key key advantage of getting that whole study together, so it's been very successful. Um, a very large study, several thousand patients, recruited quite well, um, and it's, it's already shown that one of those arms is better than standard, um, but, and the study then will continue into 2020 and I think beyond. Um, so at each step of the way there will be dropping arms, and there's also the possibility to add new treatment arms, that's one key advantage of these kinds of studies. You can drop 
arms that look useless and add if there's if a new new treatment or new regimen comes out um, later on during the study the course of study there's a possibility that it could be incorporated into the design very easily just in practical terms if you drop one of the arms what happens to those patients in, the, in a trial like that well those pa well they've already been treated um, so they'll the, the analysis would show that the treatment was 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 not useful at all and they'll be informed that thank thank you very much for your time in the same way that any other patient in any trial um, but that, that treatment didn't work, hence why we are stopping it. So if you say that you add on potentially new arms, does that mean that a trial such as that could actually go on almost indefinitely? That's almost a theoretical aspect of it. Um, the chances are when you, if, you, if one of those treatment arms looks like or will replace a, the control arm, then things will change. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in practice uh, they probably have a finite time to them. Um, and when several of the new treatments have been exhausted and um, they've been investigated, um, that the, the study will probably stop. Because e if you add if you add a new arm, those patients in in that new arm can only be compared with controls who have been recruited at the same time. You can't compare them with controls from say one or two years ago. It's got to be concurrent concurrent ones. So the example you've given is very much in, in the world of of cancer trials, and, and such an approach is certainly attractive in that context. Is it equally useful in other therapeutic fields? Are, are there any limitations, for example, to a multi-arm, multi-stage design that might be a problem? Yes, no, no, it's, 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 it's been used for, se it, it, and it can be used for several other disorders. It's particularly useful for ones where there are outcome measures that you can measure fairly quickly. So you, you can, you've got some idea that this treatment is not actually useful at all, and you, then you can drop it. Um, so there are trials being designed in respiratory disorders, Alzheimer's, infectious diseases, um, where you can recruit quite quickly, quite large numbers, um, which might be useful for these kinds of studies. Um, and they have endpoints you can measure fairly early on, so you can drop some of those arms and you only continue the best ones to the end of the study. This is quite exciting developments in trial design, but what about the future of, of more standard trial designs? I mean, are they over? Or are they on the way out? No, absolutely not. Um, the good thing about MAMS, it, it gives us an, another effective option for designing studies. Um, hopefully the old concept of running phase two trials and starting all over again and running phase three, that should become less common because that is quite inefficient and quite expensive. But there are some advantages to running those studies. Mm -hmm. So there's uncertainty over which patients you want to put into a, a, a trial and also the exact dose and how you deliver it. There's an advantage of running a separate phase two study first, getting that, those aspects right, and then run your phase three trial. Because with, the, with, with these kinds of multi-arm studies, you, you've, got to have, you've got to have those key elements in place up front. You, can't, not, you shouldn't really be changing major parts of them halfway through the study. So really to undertake a multi-arm, multi-stage study, as you say, you, you really have to have a, a fairly good idea of what, what the treatment's going to look, look like, like potentially. And who, the yeah. pa and, and who the patients are going to be. Right. I mean, you can, you can tweak the eligibility criteria as you go along, which mm -hmm. is fairly common in many studies, mm -hmm. but to change it in a big way uh, might cause some problems in terms of how the study would be analysed and how generalised it, it would be. Um, so there are so there are some there are some values for running some other the standard types of studies. Do you see any further developments in the, in the kind of design that you've talked about these multi-arm multi-stage studies? Is there anything in the pipeline that we can be looking forward to in the future? Um, I I suppose what they might start to do is incorporate biomarkers. So a key thing with cancer and many other disorders is finding biomarkers that can predict mm -hmm. which patients will 
benefit from a certain treatment, which ones won't. Mm -hmm. So that's a hot. That's been a hot topic for so quite some time. Exactly. And so the, the, the standard trial designs are already can already incorporate those kinds of biomarkers within them di di up front. Mm -hmm. um, so it probably would be an, an, another step for MAMS to incorporate biomarkers in the future. You've been listening to The Business of Discovery, a podcast from the NIHR Clinical Research Network. I hope you'll join us again next time.